0: Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa,
1: California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ, it shows us who.
0: The task before Joshua was great. He was to lead God's people into the promised land. There were many obstacles ahead and he was 80 years old, but he was prepared. He trusted God and believed in his promises. Here is part
1: one of Cheryl's message titled, Preparing the Promises. So believe it or not, there's a lot of people who are not prepared to enter into the promises that God has for them. In the Bible, Jesus tells this parable in Matthew chapter 25 about 10 women, five were. Foolish, five were wise. What made the difference between the wise and the foolish? It was that the wise were prepared and the foolish were unprepared. That means the wise were prepared for when the bridegroom came and took them off to the ceremony. And how were they prepared? Because they brought extra oil. In case the promiser was delayed, they'd have extra oil to see them through. And when the groom came, the one who was promised, they could have. Have enough oil to light their lamps and keep them lit through the whole journey. Now, the foolish ones were the ones who were unprepared. These five women did not have extra oil. So, when the bridegroom came to the door and said, It's time to go to the wedding feast. They said, We don't have enough oil. And they tried to borrow from the others' preparation. And the five wives said, We don't have enough oil for both of us. You go buy oil. And when the five foolish women went to buy oil, they missed the journey of the bridegroom to the bridal feast. And when they finally got the oil and came to the feast and knocked on the door, the bridegroom answered and said, You're too late. You weren't ready. This poses a challenge for us. Are we prepared to enter into the promises of the Lord? Are we like the five foolish virgins or are we like the five wise virgins? In Joshua chapter 1, we have the preparation of Joshua to enter into the promised land or the promise of God. From his example, we learn that there are seven preparations that we need to take. Let me read them to you we need to forget the past. We need to arise and go. Thirdly, we need to rehearse the promise. Four, we need to practice God's presence. Five, we need to seek God's strength and courage for the work. Six, we need to meditate on God's word. And finally, seven, we need to receive encouragement from others. Each of these preparations I've spoken about builds upon the other one, and they must all be done in order to effectively prepare to enter into the promises of God. Why did Joshua need this preparation? For the same reason you and I need it. For Joshua, the task was great. Entering into these great and exceedingly great promises is difficult. Moses was an incredible and faithful an anointed leader. And this is the leadership that Joshua had to step into. Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. It was an incredible emancipation. Then he had led them 40 years in the wilderness through hostility and battles and deprivation. God's hand was undeniably upon Moses, and it was proven by the law of God that was given to Moses, Moses' personal meetings with God, Moses' radiant glow, the ground swallowing up and taking all of his challengers down, the authority of Moses' word, how what Moses said always came true, that Moses had this experience with God and was aged with all the wisdom of age. And that Moses gave good counsel and wise guidance to the people. And then, of course, there were the miracles done through Moses from the Red Sea parting, the bitter water made sweet, the water coming from a rock, the manna, the serpent being put up on a pole and everyone who looked to that serpent, being delivered from the snake bite. Now, Joshua obviously lived in Moses' shadow and in awe of Moses. He respected Moses. He loved Moses. And now he was being asked to take Moses' place and to even go further than Moses and take the people where Moses had been forbidden to go. Joshua was to take the people into all the promises of God. But before, Joshua, were many obstacles. There was a great river to cross with a multitude of families, livestock, tents, and furnishings. There was much land to take possession of. There were giants to contend with. There were fortified cities to conquer. There were angry, aggressive armies to do battle with. And the people that he was taking in would need to be organized and the land divided and given to them to possess. There were also seductive and pagan idols in the land that Joshua was entering to conquer. And Joshua was 80 years old. He didn't have the energy of the 40-year-old that had come across the Red Sea, not to mention that the promises of God were so big, the entire land of promise, so vast that they were humanly impossible. The promises God gives to you and me today are exceedingly great. Remember, we talked about that. They're beyond great and they're precious. Now, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to warn you, I'll probably be telling you this every week in quoting 2 Peter 1 4 about the exceedingly great and precious properties of the promises of God. And when we look at the promises that God is giving us, often like Joshua, we don't feel up to the task or even worthy of a the promise. There are many obstacles before us, and humanly speaking, we can't see how they could possibly be fulfilled or even come to pass in our lifetime or with us as the instrument of God. So what do we do about this? We must prepare ourselves, even as God prepared Joshua and Joshua prepared himself to receive the promises of God. Now in Joshua 1, God gave Joshua this first principle. In verse 1 of Joshua 1, God reminds Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. As mentioned earlier, Joshua had followed Moses for over 40 years. There's a certain security in having a strong leader that you can follow. You can rely on his conversations with God. You can rely on his leading. You don't have to hear God for yourself. He hears God and tells you that makes it so much easier. You don't have to lean into the divine. Joshua had only received God's word through Moses, but now Joshua would need a direct connection with God. No doubt Joshua would be tempted to do what Moses had already done rather than seeking God for himself and what God wanted Joshua to do. When we lean too much on the past or what another great leader has done, we develop traditions which actually pull us away from God and from dependency on God rather than pushing us closer to God or preparing us for the promises of God. I wonder if Joshua was tempted to wear a WWMD bracelet. In other words, what would Moses do bracelet? Joshua needed to forget the past and look forward, not backward. Paul the Apostle saw this as a necessity to entering into the promises of God. In Philippians 3.13, and I quote, Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. In other words, Paul says, I haven't fully entered into the promises of God, all the things that God has for me, but this I'm doing, I am forgetting the things that are behind and pressing forward. You see, preparation to enter the promises of God requires a putting away of the past. Yes, that was yesterday. But we need to look to tomorrow and have that readiness to move forward with God's promises. God then commanded Joshua to simply arise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. You see, the second principle is to simply arise and go. Let me remind you that the Jordan River at this time was overflowing its banks. Some say that it could have been up to a mile wide and up to 20 feet deep at this time. I mean, that's quite a large river to ford. When you go to the Jordan River today, it doesn't look like that anymore. And that's because it's the number one resource of water for the whole land of Israel. It's like the Colorado River. It's not what it used to be because of us people in Southern California that love to drink from it, water our lawns from it. So even as the Colorado River is greatly decreased, so the Jordan River is. But at that time, it was a huge obstacle to entering into the promises of God. But God says to Joshua, Joshua, get up and go. Often what we need to do is just take the first step toward the promise. We need to knock on the door, put the key in the ignition, get out of bed for some of us, put one foot in front of the other, just open the book or just type the first word. So Joshua needed To arise. When we lived in England, I fell into this depression. I had never been depressed before. And this depression actually made me bedridden. And I would get out and I would pray and I would go back to bed. Well, I had four children to homeschool, a family to feed, guests to be hospitable to, Bible studies to teach. And yet I found myself paralyzed. And I, you know, by this depression. And I remember my son, Char, he entered the room and he says, Mom, do you think you're doing anyone any good by staying in bed? And I said, no. He said, do you think you're pleasing God? I said, no. He said, do you think you're helping any of the family or dad? I said, no. He says, okay, then it's time to get up. And he walked out of my room. He was all of 15 years old no, 13 years old. Kristen was 15. He was 13. And I heard him say to his siblings, it's all right. Mom's going to be fine. I had to talk with her. But you know what? That talk really did work because God used it to help me just simply get out of bed. It wasn't that the depression immediately left or even lifted. It was simply, it was time to arise and get up and just start moving. And I found that the more I walked in obedience to God and just did the things that I was called to do, the more the depression lifted. A similar word was given to Zerubbabel by the prophet Zechariah. Zerubbabel also had a daunting job before him. He was told to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, which was in absolute disarray and rubble. The stones that had been pulled off of each other weighed up to 20 tons. And God was saying to Zerubbabel, I want you to lay the foundation of the temple and rebuild the temple and reestablish Jerusalem he also faced hostile opposition from the enemies all around. He faced political opposition from the government. He faced comparisons by the Israelites themselves. In fact, some, when he laid the foundation, began to cry because it just didn't look like the foundation that Solomon had laid. And all of this was against Zerubbabel. Yet God has a word for Zerubbabel. And he says, who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. God was saying to Zerubbabel, don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the day of arising and getting up. Just simply Put the plumb line down, start measuring, and the rest will be done. And then God said this amazing thing to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God then reminded Joshua the personal promise that God himself had made to Joshua. In verses 3 through 6 of Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life for this people. You shall divide the land as an inheritance which I swore to their fathers to give them. God's promise itself has power contained in it. The more we simply rehearse the promise and we do that Well, I personally do it by highlighting it, circling it, dating it in my Bible, reading it again and again, remembering it, considering it, looking at it, praying over it. Sometimes I even put my hand on that promise in the Bible and just pray it, pray it into my heart, pray it into my life, pray it for those it concerns. The more it becomes a part of us, the more we rehearse it, the more it will become our reality, our hope, and our expectation. What promises has God given you? Are you rehearsing them? Are you speaking them to yourself over and over again? I like to write them down. I like to have them close at hand. I like to preach them to myself. And I like to put a frame around them and hang them on the walls of my house so they stare back at me every day. You can't lay claim to a promise that you can't remember or that you don't know. We need to repeat these promises again and again, and we need to remind ourselves of the promises in the Word of God. Joshua was reminded of the promise, and he needed to continually rehearse the promise of God. This is what God has promised. This is what God will do. Fourthly, Joshua's preparation included practicing the presence of God. "'God said to Joshua, "'As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. "'I will not leave you nor forsake you.'" God never intends for us to try to take or lay claim to the promises by ourselves. He is the one who goes before us, behind us, with us, beside us. So how do we practice His presence? I believe it's by having a continual conversation with God. I love to turn my thoughts into prayers. I find if I just concentrate on my thoughts, they can go south really fast. I can be thinking about mayhem and get depressed and just all sorts of bad things. But if I turn my thoughts into prayers it's amazing how fast the promises of god come to me and i am cognizant of god's presence with me 1thessalonians 5:17 says pray without ceasing could it be that paul was saying turn your thoughts into prayer keep praying keep a heart of prayer keep a mindset of prayer Fifthly, we need to seek the strength of the Lord and take our courage from God. Verse 6, God says, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, God says, be strong and of Good courage that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Verse 9, God says, be strong and of good courage. We are to derive our strength from the Lord. Obviously, Joshua didn't feel strong or courageous. God had to speak this to Him and into Him. Isn't it awesome that when God speaks to us, He doesn't just speak at us, He speaks into us? This is what Hebrews chapter 4 tells us in verse 12. When it says that the Word of God is alive, living, powerful, stronger than any two-edged sword, dividing between the bone and the marrow, God's Word gets Into us. It doesn't just sit on top of us. We can ingest it and it can be part of us. And this is what God is doing. He is speaking strength. He is speaking courage into Joshua. So we, in order to be prepared to take the promises, cannot measure the job before us by our own strength or by our own courage. No, we measure it by the greatness of our God and we take our strength from the strength of the Lord. Paul, in Ephesians 6.10, told the believers to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. After that, Paul informed the believers of the unseen host and powers that were in opposition to them. I'm glad Paul didn't tell us about all those powers and principalities first, because we probably would have been, oh, no, what are we going to do? But he first told us, be strong in the Lord. Take your strength from God Almighty. That's how you stand against the forces of evil. And when you stand in the strength of the Lord, these forces of evil cower So Paul, again, be strong in the Lord. Elizabeth Elliot famously said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to do the very thing we fear. The phrase, be strong and courageous, can also mean take courage in the Lord. In other words, find your courage in the Lord. God was saying to Joshua, lean into me for all the strength and all the courage you're going to need for this undertaking, for this calling that I've called you to do. God does not expect you to use your limited strength, energy, or wisdom to possess the promises, to be prepared to enter into the promises of God, you need to learn how to lean into, take from the strength and courage of the Lord. The endeavor before you is going to require greater strength than you have ever felt. It is going to require greater strength than you have ever known. But the good news is the great I am that I am I am your strength, I am your power, I am your courage, I am your victory. Goes before us and with us and has storehouses of strength and courage to empower us. 7. We need to meditate, sorry, 6. We need to meditate on God's word. Joshua 1:8. This is God's word to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditation is more than reading. Evan Lynn Wood's speed reading course won't work for the Bible. The Bible is a spiritual book and it requires spiritual concentration, spiritual consideration, and spiritual meditation. The word meditation here means to mutter to yourself. It's actually an agricultural term. It actually literally means to chew the cud. A cow grasps the blade of grass, he chews, he swallows, the blade of grass goes into his stomach, which is two chambers, it's mixed with digestional juices, and it is digested. And then it returns to the cow's mouth. I hope you're not grossed out by this. To be chewed again, to get the full flavor and the full nutrition and to become fully digested. So the word of God goes into us, but we're to recall it to our memory, bring it back to mind and think it over and over again, that we might get the full nutritional value from the word of God, get the full flavor of what God is saying to us. We are to meditate on it. The more we fill our heart and mind with God's Word, the more it will come out of our lips.
0: We can learn a lot from Joshua. When he was faced with crossing the Jordan River, God simply told him to arise and go. He heard God's voice and obeyed with a step of faith. It's the same for us today. God wants to take us into all of His promises, but we need to be ready and listening so that we can arise and go like Joshua and take the first step into the promise. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at how Joshua was prepared to lead the nation of Israel as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com.